Your faith determines how much you experience God do in you. I think for some of you, you want God to move. You're crying out. There's a deep desperation. You want to see the work of God. You want to see miracles happen in your life. You want to see healing, whether it's physical or spiritual or healing in relationships. Whatever it is, I'm going to tell you, your faith determines how much you experience God do. And get this, faith is essential, not optional. Faith is essential, not optional. How were you ever saved in the first place? Through faith. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says. For it is by grace you have been saved through what, friends? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. How do I become saved? It's through faith. That moment that you put your faith and trust into Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. Faith is essential. It's not optional. I, 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 if you want to see God do miracles in your life, we got to have more faith. Jesus went around teaching and doing miracle after miracle, right? Jesus had a teaching ministry and a healing ministry. And they're beautiful when they collided together. In fact, if there's any place that Jesus wanted to see the move of God happen was in his hometown. For them to experience a breakthrough in life. For them to experience more of who God is. But there was an issue when he went to his hometown to do more miracles, Check this out in Matthew chapter, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 58. And he did not, he, meaning Jesus, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Your faith determines how much you experience God do in you. For his hometown, your lack of faith, that's why I cannot do miracles in this town. Your lack of faith. And I pray that you don't have a lack of faith where you can see God move in your life. He's not done yet, though. What's amazing is these two blind men went up to Jesus and wanted to heal. The healing they wanted would be obvious to us. They want to see. And they came up to Jesus. And Matthew records this in Matthew chapter 9, and it reads this way. Then he, Jesus, touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Notice how these two men were healed. It does not say according to how many times they said that prayer. It does not say according to their church attendance. It does not say according to how many life groups they're involved at. It doesn't say any of that. All those are great things. But it was their faith that allowed them to be healed. Because your faith determines how much you experience God do in your life. How much God does in your life. I'm just curious. I wonder, if you don't believe he can do it, we won't ask for him to do it. It's faith. I wonder how many times we pray faithless prayers that beg God not to answer it. Because you know what we see? We see the storm and mountain bigger than our God. And we go, I, God, I, I, I hope you would do this. I think we need to stand up and say, God, I know you can do this. You don't live a hope so faith. You live a I know so faith. And we have to understand that and live into that. To know who your God is. In fact, this is so passionate. I think the devil is after your faith. I think the enemy of your soul wants to disrupt your faith. You know why? 
Because faith in God's word, the scripture says, faith can move mountains. Faith calls on heaven and rebukes hell. Faith brings in the miraculous and the healing. That's what faith does. And I think if the devil wants to disrupt you, he'll disrupt your faith and attack you there. In fact, Paul, our first century missionary, went around the ancient world in the first century, planting churches all over. And he goes to a very special city called Thessalonica. And it's in that city that he spends two full weeks. We know he's there for three weekends because he was preaching in the Jewish synagogue, which is the Jewish church. And he's preaching in this church. And all of a sudden he leaves because he's got more churches to plant. And he, he sends them a letter, which you and I get Thess- First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians from. And he's concerned about something for them. Remember, he spent two full weeks, three weekends with them, but he's concerned about them. These are first century, first time followers of Jesus. And this is what he's concerned about. He is not concerned about how big their parking lot is. He's not concerned about the color of carpet or the color of, on the paint on the walls that they chose. He's not concerned about that. Here's what he's concerned about. First Thessalonians 3.1. We sent Timothy, who was Paul's little protege that he was training up who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your what, friends? Of all things, I'm concerned about your faith. I have to send Timothy to you because I'm so concerned about your faith. Not about how much money's in your pocket, not about the parking lot, not about how's your marriage relationship going. No, it's your faith. How is your faith? And then Paul continues on, and he writes this. For this reason, I could not stand it no longer. I sent to find out about your faith. And watch what he says. I was afraid that in some way the tempter, the devil, the enemy of your soul, might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. In other words, that the enemy is going to attack where? Your faith. I got to find out how's your faith because I want you guys to experience everything that God has for you. And he knows that if there's the tempter out, the tempter is going to tempt your faith. You want to see God move? Listen, if your faith is weak, the work of God in you will be weak. Because he's making sure that you're, oh, to the church in Thessalonica, I want to make sure your faith is strong because the tempter's there. He's going to tempt you in your faith. And Paul wants to see the work of God deeply in those people that he deeply, deeply loves. And Paul continues on. But Timothy has just now come to us from you. And look at the joy. And he has brought us good news about your faith and love. Timothy was, or uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul was so excited. You guys are strong in your faith. And I'm thankful for it. And he continues in verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. He's happy. He's encouraged. He's strengthened that their faith is good. But he still says, you're missing something. You're missing something. You're still lacking. So this morning you may be asking, okay, Ryan, what is supernatural faith? What is this faith? 
Because you and I need it to break through the walls that are standing between us and more of who God is. That is what we're seeing more and more in our prayer ministry is that so many of you know there is more for you that God wants. But over and over we're hearing that there's walls there. And a lot of us don't know what those walls are, but they're, they're there and you want and desperately need a breakthrough. I truly believe it's going to start with supernatural faith. What is supernatural faith? It means it's not ordinary faith. It's dependent on who God is. It's the supernatural. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, begins to give us a little glimpse on what faith is. Now, faith is. In other words, faith right now is active and it's vibrant. It wasn't yesterday. It wasn't in your past. It is right now. Faith is in this moment. And he goes on to say, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Your translation may say the substance of things hoped for or the confidence of things hoped for. It's that confidence. It's that knowing. I, I just, you just know. It's confidence. Let me, let me show you an example. This is a chair. Would we all agree? Half of you. Okay. Um, this chair, I have not inspected this chair. I know it's a chair. I would bet you that there's a tag under this chair that says, do not remove label or you will be fined or jailed. <laughs> right? Okay, I'm not promoting this. I always wondered how would they know if I did and it's in my home. Right? All right, anyways, I'm the only one thinking that way. All right, this chair, I have not inspected it. I have confidence this thing's gonna hold me though. I did not look at the welds. When you sat in your chair, did you inspect it? Did you like, oh, is this thing sturdy? I mean, is it good? No, you just had confidence that the welding is actually going to hold you, that the bolts were put in correctly, Lord willing. But I have confidence this thing will hold me. And so did you when you sat down in your chair. And I will lounge like Bernie. His gloves were awesome. I want those mittens. But I had confidence. I don't know who the manufacturer of this chair was, but I had confidence and faith that when I sat down, this thing would hold me. Confidence and faith in a chair. You and I have the word of God. You and I know more about God than we knew about that chair, but so many of us are lacking faith in our God that we know so much about because he's given our word. Oh, you can have faith and confidence in who God is because of his word and who he is. That's faith. Yet so many of us come in here this morning and having faith that that chair is gonna hold you, but don't know who God is. It's faith in God. We have his word. Get to know him in his word. It's confidence, it's assurance, but faith is also the conviction of things not seen. It's conviction. It's not preference, it's not opinions. It is conviction. It's that deep, eternal thing that says, I know that I know that I know. I have a deep conviction this morning that you don't need to hear my preference or opinion because opinions never change a life, the word of God changes lives. That is a deep conviction I have. I have a deep conviction that your life will be better if we lived into the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
That's a deep conviction. I have a deep conviction that this church does not change lives, only Jesus Christ changes lives. That is a deep conviction. I have faith in knowing that. And you may be sitting back, sitting here going this morning, right, so how do I get this assurance and this confidence and this conviction? How do I increase my faith? Listen, the more you are in the presence of God, the more assurance and confidence you have. Why? Because now I know who my God is. And the things in my life look a little bit smaller now knowing how big my God is. But you will never walk in faith. You want to walk in supernatural faith, start walking in God's presence. It's starting to be there. This is why every single day, except Saturday, every single day, my alarm clock is set to 5.05. Why not 5? I don't know. 5.05 just sounded good. That's why every day I'm in my office, my home office, by 5.30 or 5.45, I stretch to worship music because I can't bend over, right? Like, literally, that's all I got, man. That's all. And I definitely can't bend over in skinny jeans either, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> I can barely move right now. <laughs> mm. I don't even know where I'm going. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. But I stretch because I, I can't stretch. But I set my heart right with worship music first and foremost. And I get into God's word and then I journal and then I pray and I get back into God's word and read my, ver my portion of scripture two more times. So I read it a total of three times and then I pray again and I worship some more. I can't afford not walking in God's presence because life is after you. We live in a sinful, broken world. You don't have to do it like me. That's just where I am right now. Saturdays, my alarm's set to 7.30 if I even get to sleep in that long. And then I do it. Because I can't afford it. I got things that are fiery arrows from the devil that's flying at me. I can't afford it to lose my family. I can't afford it to hurt the church that way. You can't afford it either. And the enemy of your soul is after you. But there are things standing in our way between us and more of who God is. Let me ask you a question. What thing in your life do you need God to impart supernatural faith as so you can have a breakthrough? Only you know what's standing in your way. I have this wall over here. These are just things that I quickly began to write and I feel that some of you in the church, you may be struggling with some of these. What about pride? Maybe perhaps God wants to do more of you, but you know, I don't know what that looks like and I'm too prideful to fall down before God sometimes. And that's your wall. Maybe for some of you, you're carrying way too much unforgiveness, which results in a bitter root of bitterness. It's a deep root. And you know what? I would say you're right. You cannot forgive on your own. Those wounds are way too deep. But supernatural faith will sit there and go, God, you have to forgive through me. And when you're able to, and the hurt and pain come back, guess what you do? You forgive again. And you forgive again and again and again. Maybe some of us, we come in and let's be honest, right here is church hurts. That's a real thing. Some of you come in here this morning hurt by a previous church or previous pastor or things like that, things that you've seen online. 
And that's a real thing from you experiencing everything that God has in store for you. And maybe for some, I put down on the bottom, maybe a wall for you is it's scary going all in with Jesus. You've put on this persona for far too long. You know you got to go all in. But that's that wall for you. What thing in your life do you need God to impart supernatural faith so you can have a breakthrough? In fact, Jesus tells us exactly how much faith we need to have a breakthrough. Two instances. In the book of Luke, this is what Jesus is having a, a special conversation with his disciples. Twelve guys that follow Jesus. This is incredible. It reads this way. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Isn't that interesting? These are 12 guys that have followed Jesus for a couple years now in his ministry, and they want to know, of all things, increase our faith. And I love Jesus' response. Oh, Jesus answered, if you had faith. I wonder if the disciples go, oh. Because the implication is, you thought you had faith, but you really don't. If you had faith, even as small as a, as a what? A mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea. Watch this. And it would obey you. Do you know how much pounds or how much does it take to uproot a mulberry tree? Which, by the way, grow up to about 80 feet tall. 68 kilonewtons. I'll do the math for you. Almost 19,000 pounds to uproot a full-grown mulberry tree. And Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say that sucker, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Jesus has another conversation with his disciples, and he says, and uh, I'm sorry, this is found in Matthew chapter 11. He says, don't you have enough faith? Or you don't have enough faith. You have, you have little, but you don't have enough. I wonder if this morning, how many of us don't have enough faith? We look at these things and say, you know what? They're always going to be there. That is who I am. It always will be there. No, have faith. Have supernatural faith that you will see the move of God in your life. He's ready to move. We just got to be willing to submit to him and surrender and you will see walls knock down in the name of Jesus. And then he says, all right, I got to give you guys an example again because you're not getting it. And he goes on, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, if you had it, even as small as a one more time, friends, eh? You could say to this mountain, this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. All you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, many of you, you should have at least sat or picked up a little thing that's a mustard seed. Maybe you put it to the side, or you can steal your neighbor's. We had change makers this week that served you so well and did this for you. This is a reminder all series long 
the thing that's standing in the way of me and more of what God wants to do, my breakthrough, is just faith this size. It's a mustard seed. The impossible becomes possible if it's approached with supernatural faith. The size of a mustard seed. Some of you are facing many different things. I totally thought this series was going to go in another direction. I'll be honest. Pastor Brandon and I got together about a week and a half ago and we mapped out some things and just really felt Holy Spirit was telling us, you want breakthrough. It's a faith issue. Because if you only had faith this size, you could tell that mulberry tree to pick itself up and be planted in the sea. If you had faith this size, you can look in the mountain that's facing you and say, be planted in the sea. You gotta move from here to there. And if you're looking at walls in your life that you need a breakthrough, Jesus says faith this size can break through walls. So let me ask you again. What thing in your life do you need God to impart supernatural faith, confidence, assurance, conviction, so you can have a breakthrough? If you notice, this was just my sample wall. There are two more walls on either side of the stage. It's a preemptive strike to warn you next week. We're going to have some movement. But you need to really take a hard look at this seed and start praying, God, where do I need supernatural faith the size of this little guy for things that are holding me back? You want to walk in supernatural faith, start walking in God's presence. He's there. But I close with this last slide. If I'm fully honest, I wish I wouldn't have written going all in at the bottom. I wish I would have written it right here. Because I think for a lot of us, we got one foot here and one foot here. One's in the boat with Jesus, but one's in the rest of the world too. You will only see God work to the degree of your submission. And I believe for many of us, not just in this room, not just online, but in this world, the biggest wall between you and more of God and the work of God and the move of God in your life is submission. I'm curious how many of us would rather have a breakthrough. You are so focused on this instead of submitting and saying, actually, Jesus, I want more of you.